Hello, I'm Kim Katola, host of Cradle My Heart Radio. Our mission is preventing abortion and helping those it hurts. And our vision is to bring abortion recovery to the church, reaching out to equip and encourage pastors, elders, ministry leaders, and others so they can minister God's love to the millions of Christians personally impacted by this moral crisis of our time. Saving lives and healing hearts, this is Cradle My Heart Radio. Find us online at cradlemyheart.org. Where can you find God's voice in the noise on reproductive choice? For over a million women and men each year, the question goes beyond politics to become much more pressing and personal, both before and after the choice. And we are called to love the little children just as God does. Listen to Cradle My Heart Radio with your host, Kim Katola, speaker, writer, and broadcaster, sharing God's truth to prevent abortion and help those it hurts. Learn more at cradlemyheart.org. Thank you so much for being with us. And if you were uh, with us last time and heard our guest, Catherine Davis, I know you probably were thirsting for more. And so here we go. Part two with Catherine Davis, founder and president of the Restoration Project, often uh, She is partnering with the National Black Pro-Life Coalition, the Network of Politically Active Christians, and the Frederick Douglass Foundation in an ongoing effort to educate us about the issues that are impacting the black community in America. She's worked with the Radiance Foundation, uh, the Human Coalition. She's the author of the book, The Fight for Life, Taking It to the Street, and Turning the Wounded into Warriors, The Fight for Life, Taking It to the Street, Turning the Wounded into Warriors. Catherine, welcome back to Cradle My Heart Radio. Thank you, Kim. I'm happy to be here. Uh, you know, we, we talked in our first episode about a lot. Uh, I mean, I can't believe how much ground we covered about abortion in the black community and the role that clergy has played in it, not because there was a group of pastors where revival happened and the Lord laid on their heart that they should tell their people to abort their babies. I mean, that's what Planned Parenthood would have us believe, right? That that's that, exactly what they that, that just sprung up. That just happened. But no, it was not organic. It was not a move of God. It was a cynical and paid-for plot to eradicate black lives. And if you, don't be- right. if you don't believe me, go back and listen to part one with Catherine Davis, and she'll explain it to you exactly how they did it and are continuing to try to do it. And I want to focus on their current initiatives. They're weak. It's weak tea. It's such weak tea. But you have the... Um, RCRC, the Religious Council for Reproductive Choice. I think they now brand themselves as something called like Faith Allowed. And you see all the, you know, uh, pro-choice mainline denominations, your ELCA, your, um, I don't know, uh, you know, the the ELCA Lutherans. There are Episcopalians for choice, Presbyterians for choice, and I'm sure there are black denominations in there, too. You know, and they're just helping women justify abortion spiritually, which is evil. There's no biblical basis for that. Their whole argument is that God gave us moral agency, therefore we can make our choices uh, based on our conscience. So I'd like to have you address that, first of all, the spiritual problem at the root of clergy promoting abortion to anybody. I'd like to have you address that and then, you know, talk about the organized effort that's going on still since the 1940s. Well, 
you know, the pastors are people of influence. You know, they have these congregants under them that will listen to what they say and believe what they say um, because they they are pastors. But many of them have substituted the Word of God for a political ideology. Um, because they're getting paid in many instances, like a Raphael Warnock um, <clears throat> is getting paid by Planned Parenthood, or uh, one of these other abortion organizations like NARAL, um, etc. And so they, they've accepted a political ideology and ignore the word. But the first commandment that God gave us gave to mankind was be fruitful, multiply, and replenish the earth. And so the age-old battle of good versus evil, God versus the devil, began because he, he the devil, decided that the only way he could literally get to God was to destroy those who were made in God's image and likeness. So God said very clearly in the Bible, choose life. But we ignore that. We ignore the first command to be fruitful in favor of this ideology that somehow being able to abort children uh, brings us to... And, I, you know, honestly, I don't even understand the mindset of how you can justify taking the lives of children um, as some kind of right that supersedes what God had to say. So these pastors are overriding the Bible. Um, I don't know if they're overriding their consciences in order to do that. I would think they are. But at a minimum, they're overriding the Bible and saying it is okay to take innocent life in the womb. And they are not telling women the truth. And perhaps they don't know the truth. You know, I was talking to a natural family planning specialist, and she told me there's only 40 hours out of a week, I mean, I'm sorry, a month, that a woman could even get pregnant. That's not even two days that you can even get pregnant, and they're not educating their congregants that um, they could so know their bodies that they simply would not have sex during those two days. And and would never get pregnant, but so hell bent on this narrative that somehow taking the lives of the children in our womb is empowering us that we don't um, have complete understanding, and our pastors that we look to to help us get understanding have in fact sold us out for a false narrative. Mm. Catherine Davis is our guest. And Catherine, uh, you have so many different things that you are working on, so many different initiatives. And when I go to the Restoration Project website, I see uh, there's a page on how the battle is real. And I hope everybody will visit that page. We'll link it at cradlemyheart.org so you don't have to write it down right now. But um, first of all, you, you close this page with the names of the victims of legal abortion, Cree Irwin, Tanya Reeves, and Erica Good. And when we think about 
how unknown these stories are, right? People know the names of individuals who, you know, were martyred for great civil rights causes of our time. But people don't know that these these women gave their lives disproving <laughs> all of the lies that Planned Parenthood has been selling about abortion. I mean, if you'll pick one and share her story with us today, I think it will impact us and really, uh, I hope, change some people's hearts who are listening. One is Cree Irwin. Cree went to a Planned Parenthood in Battle Creek, Michigan, and they botched the abortion. And just to show how diabolical the pro-abortion industry is, after they botched the abortion, Cree went to a local hospital to get assistance because she was in so much pain. The hospital verified that she still had parts of her child inside of her, but they wouldn't complete the abortion. They told her to go home and go back to Planned Parenthood that following Monday. But that following Monday was a holiday. It was a 4th of July celebration. Cree died in her mother's bed the morning of the 4th of July in her mother's bed because she had gone to her mother's house not wanting to be alone because she wasn't feeling well and was in so much pain. And her mother with her body in her bed. And there is a 911 call that haunts me to this day where you mother. You hear her mother saying how she's cold, she's cold. Cree mm. um, is one of many. She's one of the few that we can name because the hospitals don't report her death as a botched abortion. The only reason that we know about Cree's death because she didn't go to the hospital directly from the abortion center. She went from home was that a local news crew picked up on this story and and published the story. We don't know how many more women went home after the abortionist botched their abortion, and they, like Cree, didn't make it. Uh, or like Sunika Shaw, who was killed by Kermit Gosnell, uh, and her story came out because her cousin became a state representative to make sure that Pennsylvania put laws in place that would protect women so no other woman had to die curled into the fetal position in their in their home after a botched abortion. Um, there's story after story of these young, vibrant black women uh, who died um, because of the substandard care that's provided by the abortion industry. That's what we need to talk about today. And we need to put it on front row blast. And so I invite women all the time and pastors and leaders, tell me those stories. Contact me at Catherine at the restoration project dot life so that I can tell the stories as I'm traveling the nation so we could put uh, an end 
completely to the leading cause of death in the black community because more black babies are aborted um, in some communities than are being born alive. And also, if you combine all of the leading causes of death that we typically look at for a community, you will find that abortion exceeds all of the other leading causes of death combined. It's the number one cause of death in the black community. You know, and these numbers are startling, but I think Manhattan is one of the place, places where more black babies are aborted than born. Yes. And I think... And has been for 15 or more years. People always, yes. you know, and when they hear a number like that, they, that can't be true, you know, that's propaganda. No, it's, it's well known. And it's, as you said, it's been known for quite some time. And I think what what I appreciate about your work, Catherine, is that you want people to understand that that's not, that didn't happen by chance, that there is a concerted effort that sees that statistic as the success, that, w- that this was the goal to reduce black birth rates. And so I want you to talk about, just give us a little bit more of the statistical basis for this, uh, you know, talking about uh, the black population versus black abortion rates and some of these other statistics that bring this into focus for us with real good clarity. Oh, absolutely. If you go back historically, and actually uh, everyone should take the time to go back and take a look at what was happening in the black community. Let's go all the way back to slavery. People always want to say how horrible it was um, um, during slavery for black people and that um, there were some people who will tell you black women were uh, aborting their children rather than letting them be born into slavery. But the facts say that the black community was um, a very fertile community, and we went from 388,000 that were brought uh, through the Middle Passage to America um, from being 388,000 to over 4 million by the end of slavery. That didn't happen because we were aborting our children uh, in order to keep them from being slaves. And there was a professor from the University of Chicago who actually wrote about it in, when Margaret Sanger and others were running around saying black women should abort. He was one of the few that said, no, you shouldn't. And he talked about the growth of the black community and the political power that was inherent in that growth and how we should reject birth control and and continue um, having children according to God's plan. And so in the 1960s, when Margaret Sanger and others were particularly pulling on the Black Caucus uh, to support abortion and birth control, you had the elected officials of that day say, no, we are not going to do that. We recognize it's a plan of genocide, and they would not promote uh, abortion or birth control at that level, including Jesse Jackson, who used to write for National Right to Life. 
he understood the genocidal impact that birth control and abortion would have in the black community and spoke and wrote against it uh, for many years before he decided he wanted to run for the presidency and in order to get the support of um, organizations like the National Organization of Women, he then had to support this notion of um, a woman's right to choose. Well, again, our goal, our efforts should be directed towards choose life. And pastors need to say that, and we need to make that safe path for pastors and others to be able to say it without the condemnation of the cancel culture that has become so prevalent today. Mm, it's a call to courage, really. It's, call, it's a call to courage. Courage yeah. and truth, and just standing on the Word. We already have the Word. You don't need to invent a platform. We have the Word. Catherine Davis is our guest. You mentioned your travels, and uh, you have you have a, an upcoming uh, event that's exciting in, at Harvard, I understand. Yes, the dean of the Radcliffe Institute for Advanced Study at Harvard University issued me an invitation to participate in a major conference that they're having called the Age of Roe, the Past, Present, and Future of Abortion in America. And I am so excited to go um, and talk about the, the Age of Roe. Some people would look at it as going into the lion's den, so to speak, because Harvard has not been a life-friendly institution mm. in recent days. Mm. But I'm happy to be Daniel and go in <laughs> and talk about the sanctity of life and family in that environment. Mm. And you bring so much to it, especially this perspective of how abortion is impacting the black community, and the role of clergy. Um, let's talk briefly about, we've got, I don't know, seven, six, seven minutes remaining. Let's talk briefly about um, some of the things. In, a, in part one, we talked about the Church of God in Christ becoming officially pro-life, starting pro-life pregnancy centers, um, that the church, the church is the answer to abortion, in my opinion, but she has been put on defense, and it's always a losing proposition. Now we're against women's rights. We're not for be fruitful and multiply. We're against women, right, and in the mind of the average bystander. And so uh, maybe, Catherine, I would give you the chance to cast a vision to the church leaders and pastors who are listening about what really the church can be in this battle. It's time the church, the body of Christ. I can't even say the church, because there are many who say that they're a part of a church, but that is more a social club mm. than it is um, the body of Christ that is, that is being the salt and the light in the earth. And it's time for the pastors and leaders to suit up, so to speak, to put on the full armor and to hit this issue um, head on and to begin to teach again about the sanctity of life, to begin to, to teach again about what, um, pastors and leaders in the church community, um, um, should be doing in this hour to reinstitute the biblical worldview. 
the biblical um, values that the Bible talks about. And that is where um, where we need to begin to to come back to, come back to uh, the biblical standard, the biblical worldview, and teach and preach it like the pastors of old when they came out of their pulpits and put strapped their muskets to their backs and went and fought for our freedom in this nation. We need those kinds of men and women to stand up today and say this far and no further. No more um, political machinations with regard to the things that God has commanded that we do. Um, we need to take politics out. So I basically have been calling on on uh, pastors and leaders to uh, literally put on the full armor of God and let's run to this battle and not shy away from it. Because if we stand up and push back the right way, the abortion industry has to fold. They have no foundation or no basis on which to stand in the face of the truth. So let's tell the truth. You know, the spiritual battle, I don't know if, um, I think most people, I was uh, just recently researching the spiritual health after abortion and how most people want their health care provider, for example, to talk to them about their spirituality, especially if they're sick, right? They understand this is a, a crisis moment and only God can help me. Only my faith can help me, let's say, um, and I think we need to, all of us who are followers of Christ, need to understand that and not shy away from it, that the secular dominance in our culture is a result of Christians not being Christians and proclaiming the truth that we have and that we own and that no one can take from us. And uh, I just, I want you to, uh, I want to give you the chance to issue that cry to all of us. Because if we stop and think about, you know, how dangerous it is for a young woman and a young couple to walk into uh, an abortion facility unaware of what is going to be awaiting them on the other side of that experience, we have really failed to be the hands and feet of Christ. We've failed to be the salt and light that he's called us to be, Catherine. That's exactly true. And we have failed. We have failed to take the, the stand that God called us to. Um, <clears throat> when Jesus, at the end of his life, he looked back at the, the apostles and the disciples and said, Go ye into all the world and teach and preach the gospel. And I think it's time for the men and women of God to stand up and begin to do that again. Let's go out and teach and preach the gospel. Let's get on our knees and repent first, because the Bible is clear that um, we should, if those who are called by his name would turn from their wicked ways. I think we, we have turned, and I thank God for it, because Roe is no more. But now let's finish it, and let's go into all the world and teach and preach what God said about life, what God said about um, children being a blessing. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full. And, and if our pastors 
who were impacted by abortion. Support After Abortion did a study that showed that 71% of the men that they polled said that their lives had been impacted by that abortion decision. So I just pray that the pastors will lead the charge so that those men and and women can come into the healing they need so that we can be the formidable force that will stand and end finally the taking of innocent life in the womb. Oh, thank you so much for being with us today, Catherine. And is there anything, I mean, I, I will link to Support After Abortion, uh, Radiance Foundation, Human Coalition, uh, even the Frederick Douglass Society that you have uh, been engaged with. It's its actually called, yes, the Fre- Frederick Douglass Foundation. Uh, but is there any other, and of course, your website, the Res- Restoration Project dot, dot life. But is there any other resource that you'd commend to us as we close? No, nope, I think that's a good starting point. You named all of the ones that can give real information that people can use um, as we are suiting up and going out and being the standard that God called us to be. Thank you so much for all that you do, and I hope we'll get a chance to talk. Maybe we'll call and debrief after Harvard. <laughs> Thank you so much, Kim. I would love it. I would love it. All right. Catherine Davis, our guest. Her website is therestorationproject.life, and we'll have the links for all of the things referenced in this episode at cradlemyheart.org. As as you ponder some of the uh, devastation and trauma encapsulated in the cold statistics that were mentioned today, I pray that you will be moved to take action, and I pray that you will take to heart the good resources and recommendations that Catherine has made for you to do so. Thanks so much. You can find out more at our website at cradlemyheart.org. Appreciate you listening and hope that we'll see you next time right here. This is Cradle My Heart Radio with Kim Katola, preventing abortion and helping those it hurts. Please get in touch with Kim. Find out more at cradlemyheart.org. You can listen to the podcast on all platforms.